Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Welcome back to our series, Unstoppable, The Church Unleashed. As we journey together through the book of Acts and look at how God was enabling, equipping, and empowering the early followers of Jesus to begin a movement that would take the good news of Jesus from this one region to the ends of the earth. And what's been exciting to see is how Jesus is still equipping, enabling, and empowering us to do the same. Uh, it's a journey about movement, about forward progress. And it's not just about erecting the biggest buildings, having the fanciest things and programs and drawing people to us. No, what Acts reminds us is that it's about going out from where we're comfortable and participating in this life-transforming, world-renewing work of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's exciting that we get to be part of this. And we're not the first ones who get to do this, nor will we be the last. Rather, we've been participating in this community of Jesus followers um, that has been seeking to make known the name and the person of Jesus for thousands of years. And if you're watching this tonight, you are invited. You're invited to participate. You are loved. You are offered forgiveness. You are offered healing and hope and you are offered new life. Um, that's just the exciting aspect of what we get to navigate and learn how to do well together. But let me ask you this question. Have you ever been alone on the holidays? It kind of sucks. Um, when I moved away to go to school, I was excited to go. I had always wanted to live out on the West Coast, but I didn't really think about the holidays. And when you don't have family around, you just kind of think, oh, well, I'll hang out with friends or I'll find something to do. But then you quickly discover that everything's closed or things closed ridiculously early. And all the friends that you had made, they actually have their family around and traditions and they're off doing those things. And suddenly you just feel this immense sense of aloneness. So then this is where for me the Davies come in. The Davies are this incredible family who welcomed me into their home on that very first Thanksgiving dinner that I was away. I just moved out to BC in September and they knew that I didn't have family out there so they invited me in to join theirs. And year after year they would continue to invite me as well as others who were away from their home and their families. And it kind of became this interesting group of misfits and wanderers because we never really knew who was going to be there, but we knew it was going to be exciting. Sometimes there were just awkward moments as we're just trying to get to know one another or you say something off-putting and it doesn't really connect. And, and uh, other times it was just people who were just trying to find their place. But I think for me, I just had this sense of belonging. When I sat at that table with others who, who were also kind of figuring out their place, you just had this sense of, this is family. And I looked forward to this holiday every year where I would get to spend time with the Davies and that I would get to spend time with other people that they invited for the first time. And I share this with you because as followers of Jesus, I believe we need to create more space at our tables. 
the early Christians believed God was at work reconciling all things in heaven and on earth, and that the best way to experience this wasn't just through messages, wasn't just through coming to church on, on a weekend, but in fact, it was gathered around a table as a sign and celebration of this new family that God was putting together. And even today, eating with strangers can sometimes be uncomfortable, can sometimes be awkward as you're not quite sure who one another are. But back then, it was downright shocking. And as we'll see tonight, it's also not the easiest thing to navigate or adjust as we welcome people who've been transformed by Jesus, but who may also have a bit of a past. Like, I think pretty much all of us do, if we're being honest. But if you have your Bibles with me, turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 19 to 31 together. And we actually ended with uh, verse 19 the last time I spoke, and that's considered 19a, which is the first half of the verse. And tonight we're going to be starting with 19b, the second half of the verse. It doesn't actually have a or b in there, but that's how it's navigated. So Acts chapter 9, verse 19. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him, but Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. So here we have this guy named Saul, who has just gone from being a disciple killer to now a disciple, a follower of Jesus. So it's natural for other Jesus followers to be a little hesitant uh, but what's more that I want to draw your attention to is actually this quick transition between verse 25 and 26. It's so quick that you barely even notice it. But you have Saul being lowered in a basket so that he can escape without being murdered. And then suddenly you have him arriving on scene in Jerusalem to meet with the other believers. However, let me point out something that between these two verses, even though it happens in a split second on paper, there's a three year gap. 
And the reason we know this is through Paul's other writings in Galatians, but it's this three-year period where Saul goes to Arabia. And there's some debate about why he went there, what he was doing there. Some people believe he continued to preach the gospel, and that's where he went. Others believe that it was actually a bit more of a religious retreat, or it was this period where Saul was reconciling everything he had been raised in and taught in this way of believing, but now this new experience and this new life transformation with Jesus. But regardless The reason I share this with you is because it's so easy to read these things and just skim right over it. But there's so much more happening within and beyond the words on the page. And like Dom has been teaching us within his Bible series, God is breathing life through these pages so that we will experience life in our lives. These these words and these pages are living and active. And not only are they speaking about a life that's existent then, it's also breathing and speaking life into us today. And as followers of Jesus, we need to create more space at our tables to make room for what God is shaping and for where he is breathing life. And I believe that we all love the idea of love and of forgiveness and of acceptance. And acceptance is actually one of our values as a church. But at the same time, I believe it's extremely difficult to always put that into practice. We try our best, but sometimes it can be a tricky balance, especially when there's radical life transformation, which we know and believe to be true. So tonight, What I want to do is I want to identify three barriers that we see here in this text that we have to work at overcoming in order for us to embrace and expand our tables. So the first barrier that we have to overcome is the barrier of confusion. Again, we have this guy, Saul, who's been uttering threats. He's been eager, eager to kill anyone following Jesus. He had been at, he had approved, and he had watched the stoning of Stephen back in Acts chapter 7. And now he's been given this permission by the religious authorities to go out and arrest any followers of the way, anyone following Jesus. But then suddenly he encounters the risen Jesus and has this life-transforming experience and realizes, wow, Jesus is who he has always claimed to be. He's he's the son of God. And suddenly, he changes allegiances. But it's one thing for Saul to experience that, but it's another thing for those who have kind of been on the run looking over their shoulder to kind of catch up to speed with and truly believe this has happened. But as we saw last time, it ends with this Ananias saying, Brother! To Saul. He, he's now part of the family. Saul is a follower of Jesus. And he's begun preaching about Jesus saying that he is indeed the son of God. And it's this like, like what? Like, can you ha- imagine how confusing this must be for the other followers of Jesus who have literally been on the run? They've been dispersed. They're part of the diaspora. And Can you even imagine how confusing this would be for Saul? And perhaps that's why he took this three-year period to truly reconcile what God was doing in his heart and his life and what he was shaping and preparing him for. 
And the word that's, that's used here is this existanto, which is this to be practically overwhelmed. And it's this sense of being amazed and confused. And I don't think that those have to be separate things. I think we can experience them both. It's a both and here. Because there's other gospel accounts where this word's used and, and they're simply asking, they're saying they're amazed and they're asking, could this be the son of God? And even here it says that they were amazed, but they were also asking, isn't this the guy who is just on the hunt for Jesus followers? There's this amazement, but there's also this hesitation and confusion. The Jews realized that, hey, we got to stop this. We've got to control the situation and shut things down. So they devised a plan to kill Saul. Like, talk about people hating religion. Like, come on. Like, it's like all of a sudden, hey, this guy's following Jesus, the guy who's all about peace and love. Let's kill him. Like, of course people are upset with religion. But the other followers of Jesus, who Saul has been staying with, they get wind of the plan and they tell Saul about it. And not only that, but they rig up this big basket and I'm imagining like this big pulley system to start lowering down the side of the wall to help him escape. These believers, they recognize that something was up, that Jesus was at work, that something more was happening, something special was happening among them. And although they didn't have all the answers, I believe they pushed past their confusion. They pushed past the questions, even though I'm sure they still had so many questions swirling around in their head, but they chose to come around him and band together to help save his life. This man who is now proclaiming the good news of Jesus, saying that there is hope for all, even though just a few days ago, he was out to arrest them and even kill them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this great quote and he says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. Whew. So much easier said than done. We are going to experience confusion, both, both externally beyond us and, and internally, this inner confusion as we try and reconcile things when sometimes God moves beyond our current and lived experiences. He, he's famous for doing these throughout the gospel accounts. He, he blows people out of the water with what they thought and who God was and who God actually is. And those of us sitting around the table will experience confusion as we witness life transformation. As we, as we see people who are being renewed and restored and we're kind of saying, okay, how does this make sense now? And people who are not yet at the table they'll experience some confusion as well as they witness this counter-cultural movement of life-transforming communities taking shape and moving out to transform the world. But don't let confusion be a barrier. In this moment, Saul and the others who are dangling him in the air are moving toward this space of friendship, of community, of togetherness, they need each other. They're moving toward church. I love this picture as they come together. So are you willing to overcome the barrier of confusion to allow God to interrupt your life, your home, your plans, and even your table? The second barrier we have to overcome is fear. And fear is a biggie. This is a tough one. 
Again, easier said than done. But verse 26 shows us the second group of people in Jerusalem now who are completely afraid of Saul. And this is the camp I would put myself in for sure. Like, no doubt about it. You have a disciple killer now claiming to be a disciple. It's like, come on, we've all seen the movie, right? Like, this is the oldest trick in the book. Infiltrate the opposing side so that you can have a heyday and wreak havoc and destroy them from the inside. Like, really? So, of course, you, you allow fear to become this barrier to keep people at a distance. Fear is a barrier. Fear is powerful. Fear holds us back. Fear closes us off. Fear prevents us from truly living our best life. And because of this, the Bible is filled with saying, saying, fear not. Do not be afraid. And it's interesting because I believe fear builds off of confusion. Because when we're confused, there's ambiguity. There's this sense of not having control. So fear comes along and says, hey, let me control things for you. I know what's going on. And fear being this powerful emo emotion gives us this sense of control. But Jesus reminds us not to, let ha not to let fear have control, but for us to continue to surrender ourselves to his control to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus continually teaches us and reminds us to keep our eyes fixed on him. And he says, why are you afraid? For many people, when we're afraid, we like to shift into that state of control. We like to make things black and white. Why? Well, it's, it seems easier. We don't have to lean into that fear, that confusion, that uncomfortability. We simply get to try and control things. But Jesus says, fix your eyes on me. Now, this isn't to say that there's no healthy fear um, or that you simply just have to, hey, don't be afraid. Like, fear is a very complex emotion. But overall, we have to let Jesus control our lives, not fear. And this is where we have Barnabas come in. This is where we have Barnabas vouch for Saul. And he's like, hey, this guy's with me. He's good. Don't worry about it. I don't know if that was a good accent. Probably not at all. But anyways, Barnabas, he acts as a bridge between Saul and the other disciples. And because the disciples trust Barnabas, they respect Barnabas. They know that Barnabas' eyes are on Jesus. It helps lower their levels of fear in order to hear what he has to say. Suddenly, through this act of Barnabas, the table has been expanded. Saul has been invited to sit and to stay. And isn't that another beautiful aspect of the church? Like sometimes on our own, we can allow fear to start rising up and overtake us. But then we have this community that comes around and reminds us, hey, no, no, look at Jesus. And if you need help, look at me as I follow Jesus. That's what Barnabas is doing here. And this act of what Barnabas shows us isn't that he didn't have fear, but rather he didn't let fear control him. He knew this is all about Jesus and what Jesus is doing. So he watched, he observed, and he took time to listen. Barnabas, he, he leaned in in order to understand. Which brings us to the third barrier that we have to overcome, which is ignorance. 
Now, if you're looking at the text and you're saying like, where are you getting this? Like, it doesn't tell us that Barnabas listened. It didn't tell us that he leaned in. What's going on? Where are you getting this? Well, it doesn't need to. Because in order for you to, to share someone else's story and to do it well, literally share someone else's story in front of that other person, it means that you've been watching. It means that you've been listening. You've been asking questions. You've been getting to know their story. See, Barnabas, he doesn't come in with these assumptions. He doesn't come in with this agenda for Saul. He doesn't have all these propositions to make Saul sign off on, and nor is it this interview. But rather, Barnabas watches Saul. He listens to Saul. He sees for himself that Jesus has been at work transforming this guy from the inside out. And then he testifies to the others that you should have seen this guy preaching about Jesus. He was on fire. Like seriously, he has been listening to the other. He has been paying attention to the other so that he can then stand up and say, hey, I can speak for this man that Jesus has transformed his life. Most of us are familiar with the saying, ignorance is bliss. But as I've learned over the years, I would agree with Martin Luther King Jr. who said, nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Ignorance is not bliss. Sure, it might be for a moment while you're like, but ignorance is dangerous. Ignorance is damaging. So instead of ignorance, Jesus invites us to step into this new way of living, a way of living that's modeled by extending grace, by extending forgiveness, by getting down on your knees to wash the feet of another, and by welcoming all to the table, even if it meant that someone at the table was about to betray him. Ignorance comes at a cost. Benjamin Franklin said, the only thing more expensive than education is ignorance. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is it costing me to remain this way? What is it costing me to embrace my ignorance? Or what is my ignorance costing others? You see, when we come to the table as a bunch of mismatched misfits and wanderers, Barnabas reminds us that we need to work together to move beyond our confusion to, to look beyond our fear and to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is at the head of the table. We need to lean in and to listen to one another, to truly listen without agendas so that we can support one another around the table. That's the beauty of the table that Jesus invites us to. We need to stand up for one another. We need to have one another's backs. Because in Jesus, he unites us. Ultimately, our desire as a church, and I would pray that your desire individually, is to make Jesus known to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors. 
But confusion, fear, and ignorance are pretty ineffective evangelism strategies, right? Confusion, fear, and ignorance are pretty ineffective evangelism strategies. We need to set the table. We're being called to expand the table, to allow God to build his kingdom here. If we're going to reach our neighbors, we have to keep setting and expanding the table for everyone who God is bringing together, the family that he's creating, that he's shaping, that he's molding, which means we have to move beyond the uncomfortability of our confusion. We need to move beyond our fears and look up to Jesus. We need to move beyond our ignorance in order to embrace this new family that's being defined by Jesus. We are being invited to participate in what God is doing among us and to be part of this new way of life. Like this is exciting. So I have to ask you, which of these barriers is the hardest for you? Fear is mine. I struggle with fear. But what is it for you? And then what steps will you take today, tomorrow, or the week ahead in order to overcome these barriers? If you're hearing all of this and you're feeling confused, let me encourage you, don't stop there. Continue to try and understand. Go to God with it. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have the answers or have it all figured out. It's okay to be amazed by what God is doing, but to still have some confusion. But keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If your emotions are being stirred up within you and you're feeling afraid and fearful, are you willing to take courage and lean into that, do the hard work of embracing that fear? You might even need to recognize your fear and perhaps even the fear of the fear. Because if you already deal with fear, I'm sure there's a lot more surrounding it. Like I said, it's a complex emotion. But do you trust that Jesus has really overcome death? Like, seriously, he, he's overcome death and he loves you and he has a plan for you. And he offers you resurrection power. That's right. As, as you place your faith in Jesus, that same power that overcame death now lives in you. When, when I think of that, it helps give me that courage to embrace my fears as I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And lastly, if you're seeing the damage of ignorance play out in the world today or in your own life, how will you become more aware of what's going on. Again, it's not about having it all figured out, but I believe it's about creating a safe place for everyone to sit at the table, to be with Jesus together, and to listen and to learn from one another. Even those who may have been on the attack just before, Jesus is at work transforming lives and communities. As followers of Jesus, let's set the table. Let's expand our tables. Let's welcome our neighbors. And let's embrace the family that God is putting together in and through Jesus Christ. If you'll join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, for your forgiveness, and for your grace.
God, breathe new life into us. And as we experience life, I pray that you help us to overcome these barriers of confusion, of fear, and of ignorance. Help us to overcome them so that we can swing open our doors and set the table and invite misfits and wanderers in. That we can welcome our friends and family and neighbors. That we can offer people a place of belonging and of acceptance because of you. Jesus, we thank you. And I pray that you continue to help us experience you and encounter you in new ways. And help us to share that with others. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us online together. I love spending time with you. I love for the opportunity to be able to still connect. If you haven't done so already, fill out a digital connection card. Let us know what's going on with you, how we can pray for you, and uh, just continue to journey with you. Um, I'm encouraged that we have this opportunity to continue to be encouraged and to continue to be equipped to lean into our relationship with Jesus and to share the love and the hope that we found with our neighbors. So continue to join us every Saturday at five. Uh, I would even encourage you to expand your table simply by asking people to join you at church online. Even now you could just pick up your phone, send them a text, send them the link and just say, hey, I'd love for you to join me at church online or I'd love to watch it together with you. But if you happen to miss out live, that's okay. You can always find us on Facebook, on YouTube, watch it later, or listen to the audio on podcast. Exciting things are happening in our midst and in our community. Stay tuned for what's going to happen with our kids online experience and for our summer programming. I'm excited for how God is at work and how Jesus is being made known. Thank you for your prayers, your generosity, and your support. And may the grace and peace of Jesus be with you as you continue to expand the table. Amen.